the legends are true. But overwhelming power! The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of Wickdonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece Nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at Wickdonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! I participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last. Want to earn extra cash for the holidays? Amazon Flex is expanding in the San Francisco Bay Area. Opportunities in Richmond, Oakland, and Daly City. Earn around $20 to $27 an hour delivering packages with Amazon. All you need is a car, a smartphone, and some free time. This is a great opportunity to be your own boss, deliver when you want, and make extra money. With Amazon Flex, you'll have flexible hours and great earnings. To get started, download the app at flex.amazon.com. That's F-L-E-X Amazon.com. You must be at least 21 years old. Limited opportunities available. Get started at flex.amazon.com. You're listening to NBC Sports Radio. Sports Radio. Weekend 6 is the Two Robbies Football Show. Your number one source for Premier League football on NBC Sports Radio. Now, your hosts, Robbie Musto and Robbie Earl. Robbie Earl. Hello and welcome to the Two Robbies Football Show here on NBC Sports Radio. We've got a packed show for you today. We'll look closely at the big games from earlier and look ahead to massive matches on Sunday and Monday. We also have a special guest as well, Shaka Hislop, former Newcastle, Reading, Portsmouth, West Ham United goalkeeper will join us later in the show. But let's start, Robbie Earl, with a team that have 11 straight victories, have won the last three games 1-0. Chelsea absolutely flying in the Premier League at the moment. They went to Salas Park, Crystal Palace, won the game 1-0 through a Diego Costa goal. Mm -hmm. What impressed you most about today's performance? Well, the kings of the King Road, Robbie Musto, look like they're turning into the kings of the Premier League. And I think history will tell us that every time they've been top of Christmas, they've gone on to win the title. I'm thinking and asking the question, who would bet against them on what we've seen now? I know they haven't had their sort of poor run of form yet or maybe dropped a couple of games or when players are injured or players are suspended which we'll see a little bit now with, with Costa and, and Kante uh, going out today but three things Robbie Muster you, you asked me what, what impressed me and I've gone for me three M's I thought the management the game management whatever is required during the periods of the game this team do the maturity, this team look like a team that knows how to win titles. The 1-0 the, the for Chelsea is like a 3-0 for anybody else. There's no mistakes. They shut down. They don't give the opposition chance to get rhythm. And it's just been a masterful display uh, of Premier League football. Not the most exciting, Rob. We're not off the seats like we are at times maybe with Liverpool or Manchester City or the beauty of Arsenal. But it's, it, it's masterful football, knowing what's required, going to Salhurst Park, difficult place, crowd get involved, Palace get a bit of wind up and a bit of rhythm, masterful, controlled performance that got them three points. And at the moment, you're starting to think, wow, 2017, if they can keep anything like that form, they could win it by some distance. You think about where they were this time last season, one point above mm. the relegation zone. It's, it's a stunning turnaround. Mm. And I have to th 
to think a lot of it is to do with, of course, the manager and what he's brought. We, we can talk about system changes. We can talk about him motivating this talented group of players in a very effective way. But I just think defensively, Robin, I, I can't, you know, it, it, this three centre-backs and the two wing-backs and those two midfield players in front, they are so hard to get through. And it's just this Premier League and, and English football in general, Rob, I mean, for the most part, when you look back over all the champions that we've seen over the years, Manchester City apart, that time they won it um, very expansive, very attack-minded, there's always been a sense of, 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 um, of strength, about uh, of a defensive, strong foundation. And that's what he's bringing. For me, that's a difference at the moment when you look at the other top sides, Arsenal, City, Liverpool, they're the ones that are defending properly. Do you know, I, I was watching the game th this morning and I remember seeing him on the sideline. It was around 70-odd minutes, 72, 73, and they had a shot of the two managers and Paul was trying to do his bit. And he, he, he was, sh I mean, screaming at a couple of players about getting back and getting in position and chasing the ball. And then there was one thing he kept shouting, and obviously his English is good, is compact, compact, compact. As yeah. though he doesn't want his team to in any way get stretched, in any way to get unbalanced, in any way to become vulnerable to transitions and counter-attacks. And this guy is, you know, people have said, can you win the Premier League playing three at the back? No one has done it for any length of, of period and won a title. Well, we've got to remember that this guy has won titles with it, Rob. So he's come up against yeah, teams that have played a different way. Yes. He's come up against direct mm. plays. He's come up against people who may stick three up the top of the pitch. Anyone back-to-back -back titles playing away, and as you say, with a defensive edge that maybe has been missing from, from the English game. So maybe the, the people who've tried it in the past haven't won it because they didn't have the experience that Conte brings to the system and the way that he, he, he coaches his players. Yeah, just on, on the suspension, and, and we know now that Diego Costa and N'Golo Kante will miss the game on Boxing Day for Bournemouth. Two, two points. First of all, did Diego Costa knew what he, know what yeah, he was doing? Did he want Christmas he off? Did he? Absolutely yeah, knew I think what so he was too. doing. I'll, I'll take Boxing and then Day off against Bournemouth, and then I'll be ready for the next one. Mm -hmm. And by the way, if I'm him, if I'm the manager, or if I'm any way associated to Chelsea, I'd have done exactly the same thing. Exactly the same thing. And... Just in the midfield, as N'Golo Kante is going to mm. miss. Do they just pop in Cesc Fabregas? Mm, that's the do, they, yeah. do they th consider a defender, mm. uh, somebody else to play in there? Kurt Zuma's done it before um, to, to shore things up, or, or are they happy to put Cesc in there? It was interesting because he, he, he said after his press conference, I think one or two people suggested, you know, that the, the two key players would be out. And he said, well, it's a chance to maybe me to look at, at my options or possibly change the system a little bit. So I think in his mind, he might still be looking at it maybe changing the way they do it. It might not just be Saskin and, and, and um, you know, in, instead of con uh, Kante in the middle of the field. So this is this is the guy. This is a guy who understands system, who understands the shape. I mean, I thought his substitutions again, Rob, are just spot on, knows what's required at the mm. right time, does it, mm. to shut a game off. And um, I think Sass may play, but I'm not necessarily sure that's the only change he'll make. During today, I said that Crystal Palace is going to be OK. Just a quick line on them, Robbie. Are you... Mm. The form that they're in in 2016, do you have confidence in the manager to turn it around at this football club? <laughs> you talked about 12 months ago. 12 months ago, Crystal Palace was 6th or 7th in the league. People were saying, Alan Pardew's come home, he's happy, this is a chance for, pa for Palace to kick on and maybe go inverted commas next stage. Since that time, Rob, they've, they've had 22 defeats in the league, more than anybody else, nine defeats of those this season. You're starting to say, well, who's worse than Crystal Palace? Let me give you two for a start. Swansea and Hull. 
Let me give you the next fact about Swansea and Hull. Crystal Palace have played them both and not beaten either of the two teams. So, do you know what, Rob? Some point after each defeat, and people can say it's okay and they didn't do too bad, I thought Crystal Palace were graceful losers again. A little bit like didn't yeah, really lay a glove on people. And I know Crystal Palace and have played there when, when I was at Wimbledon for many years and know their fans. And there's something edgy and, and drive and, and a little bit sort of cheeky chappy about, about South London. And that's who they represent. And I just think at the moment they've gone a little bit placid. Um, so I think he's got to wrap things up. I think yeah. he, things have got to happen. I think he'll get time. I think he'll get the window. But I'll tell you what, he, he might not have much longer than that. Let's move on quickly to Manchester United. Two goals again from Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Mm. Um, could have been sent off. Just first, give me your take on that decision before we talk about um, a much more positive angle on, on Big Zlatan. I heard uh, Graham in commentary go quite strong. And then you and Carl were, were not quite as strong, but you felt he was right. Uh, it mm. could have been red. I went more on the yellow. It'd be one of those orange between red and, and yellow for me. I think he, he led with, with the shoulder. I didn't think he threw his arm. I think if Dawson comes Was it in, dangerous, in, though, Rob? Was it dangerous, though? Um, Knock him in the head like that? Yes, that but I didn't think it was, it was red card dangerous. I thought it was yellow card dangerous, personally. I wouldn't have had a problem with, with, with the yellow and, and not the red. Um, but I know Graham, and I can see why, and, and I can't. But I think if Dawson comes a little bit strong and turns his shoulder, it's two physical guys going as West Brom centre backs do. West Brom didn't make a big thing of it, I didn't think at the time. But, um, you know, sometimes different views, different looks at things. I just didn't quite think it was as big a red as some people are making out. Just big Zlatan's general performance. Cool. I, I, I just can't get enough of this guy, to be honest with you. I can't get enough age, of him. He's 35. He's 30, just turned 35, 35 now, Robert. Three years and I think older. a lot of pundits, yeah, didn't, weren't quite sure whether this yeah, guy was going to be the real deal at Manchester United. My goodness, he's shown them, isn't he? Yeah. I think he's three years younger than me now, so, you know, he, he's still in good <laughs> nick. But you look at him, I mean, his strength, his technique, his intelligence. I mean, the second goal, when Mooney does well to get it to, to, onto his feet, Rob, and then there's a burst of pace over three or four yards where he nicks it over the, the defender's legs. I know he gets a deflection on his way to goal, but... That's still sharpness, mate. That's still being able to pull away from defenders in the 18-yard box where it really matters. And so I know he's got a great training regime. I know he looks after himself. He's not, he's not a drinker and all that. And he's testament to mm. some of the younger players we see in the game who are struggling. That if you, if you take care of your body and you've got ability, you can keep playing. And, you know, somebody mentioned to me the other day, you know, how good he is. And, and people always tell us what he, what he doesn't do or that he wasn't here. Can you imagine him five years ago in his prime not playing in the Premier League? He'd have been a beast. Yeah, and brilliant. Paris Saint-Germain have certainly missed him this, this year around. They're struggling to, to score as many goals and, and have the dominance of, of French football as they had when he was involved. So, um, yeah, it's, um, you know, he can, long may the goals continue. Obviously, Rooney's getting a bit frustrated. I, I just get the sense of Rooney's thinking, I'm never going to break this thing. I mean, good save today by Foster yeah. onto the bar and he, he, he's snatching at a couple of chances he looks so desperate to, to try and break this record just a couple of tweets. I put a tweet out there about Zlatan and how good he was and how he's doing at Manchester United. And, and Matt tweets us back to say he knows where to be. He and Pogba work well together and he should have scored even more. Great influence too. Callum Williams tweets us to say the man still oozes quality, plays to his strengths like no one ever I've ever seen before. Just finally on Manchester United, Rob, before we go to a break. Mm. They're going in the right direction, it seems to me. Uh, there yep. was a confidence and a calmness mm. about them today, a bit of a swagger from, yeah. from the star players. Mm. 
Do you see United now going on a, on a seriously good run to threaten those guys in the top four? I just thought today, it's like, OK, OK, here we go. I, I'm, I'm seeing it now, Josie. I'm seeing what I thought I would get with a, a top-class manager going in with a mm. good group of players. Got a bit of continuity. Michael Carrick's been excellent for them. Not getting the headlines. Never yeah. going to win man in a match, but he's an important part. Herrera's starting to grow with his influence. Talked about Zlatan. Back to Jones and Rowe. Look like there's a bit of a partnership growing there, mm. and Smalling's going to have his work yeah. cut out to, to break that up. So, yeah. I just think now we, we could see Manchester United go on a four or five game unbeaten run, amass some points, close that gap, and then all of a sudden, you know, as we sort of hit the second half of the season, we're starting to talk about Manchester United that are challenging, and I don't think they, they're going to be good enough to close that gap, but they're challenging for, for those top four spaces. You, you, you the same? Yeah, I think they. I think they will finish in the top four. Really hard to think who's going to drop out mm. um, when you consider the teams up there and, and and Spurs are out of it right now. But I think we'll go on to to be to be very strong in this Premier League. It's just you know it's taken a little bit of time, and and I think the the midfield players are comfortable. They know each other very well. Um, he's got them rolling, and let's mm. just see where that takes them. Yep, it might have only been by the one goal margin, but it was enough for. For Chelsea to go top of the table, nine points clear. When we get back, we'll turn our attention to the basement, to the drop zone. And just how is Bob Bradley going to turn things around at Swansea? You're listening to Two Robbie's Football Show on NBC Sports Radio. We'll be back in the tick. Welcome back to the Two Robbie's Football Show here on NBC Sports Radio with myself, Robbie Musto, and my friend, Robbie Earl. Now, Robbie Earl, let's talk about teams at the bottom. Middlesbrough and Swansea met today at the Riverside Stadium. Uh, two teams desperate for three points to get them away from that relegation zone. Middlesbrough won 3-0. And I threw a tweet out there asking whether Bob Bradley was still the man to, to, to get Swansea to safety. Mm. Here's just a few replies. We've got a few of them. Rich Rev replies to say, no, he's doing worse than Gwydalene. If the owners were not American, he wouldn't be there in the first place. Ryan tweets us to say they did not replace Ashley Williams. Maybe give him the transfer window, but he's not going to get much longer. Yeah, and I've got a few here. Stephen Logan said if there are no buys in January for defence, it's probably over. Maybe a Michael Bradley Lohan, maybe on from Toronto. I've got Robert Morris who said spend dollars in January or sell Siggy to Everton on your way down. This is over. Bradley can't get over the hump again, as he did against Mexico. You need experience. And Ahmed Ali said there's a one. It, Instant formula, sorry, win home games, good win to shopping. The problem is with, with, with the, the transfer window, Rob, and people are asking, saying, well, he's got to be given a window, he can bring some players in. My kind of question is, do you trust him to get the right kind of players that if he's not the man there, somebody else, and I know people talk like the Sam Allardyces of the world, you've got to have a certain type of player who's going to get you out of the trouble. And so if, unless that manager is buying those players... It's an awkward one for, for Swansea where they sit now, right now. See, I think it's a little bit different at Swansea. I think they're one of those clubs that, as a director of football, Hugh Jenkins, the chairman, is involved in picking players to come to the football clubs. I don't necessarily think it's going to be Bob Bradley's really, real hand-picked players to come in. The club okay. must realise, they must realise that they need defenders. I mean, defensively, again today, they try to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with all the teams, but their defenders individually are not good enough. Good enough. That's what's, that's what's causing them the problems. They've got some decent players going forward. They're conceding too many goals. So I'd have to think that the players will come in and they'll have to work with new ones in January if he gets that time. But, but we've been asked a number of times, I think, you know, every week we've actually said, is this group good enough, Robin? And I was thinking about Swansea, and I'm seeing the goals going in, the, the, the hat-trick by Rondon midweek, and, and then the goals today. 
and I'm seeing crosses going in, and I'm not seeing people defend. Rob, I can't ever yeah. remember seeing them catch anyone offside where they played an offside and, and there's been some unity between the back four. I don't see them pressing the crosses so the balls aren't coming in, so you make it difficult for the service. I don't see people getting touch tight in the box. Now, no. that's, that's not regardless of players. Some, that's regardless of how you're training, what you're doing, what work Why has he got it in Botic? Why, why isn't he improving then? Well, why why is we still that's seeing that? That's my point. I, I, we've worked, I used to work in a system where if somebody rolls the ball back and it's going to get crossed in, you you run up one or two two yards to, to condense the space and often catch a centre forward who's lazy, who doesn't want to run away from goal, they want to go towards goal, and you catch them offside. I've watched Swansea... Every time I watch them play, I never see them run up, Rob. I'm, I'm not seeing those little drills, those little things that you have to do to keep clean sheets, to catch forwards offside. Now, I'm, I'm not saying Bob Bradley isn't doing the work. I'm, what I'm saying is when we watch on a match day, and that's the only barometer we have, we're, yes. not, seeing the, yes. we're not seeing the development. If Big Sam, if, if they did... I mean, this is just, you know, just in terms of the squad they've got there. Mm. If Big Sam took over yeah. next week, for example, which yeah. isn't, isn't going to happen, but... Mm. My point is, is there enough quality in this squad with a pragmatic, experienced yeah. Premier yeah. League coach to, to yeah. get them away from that trouble? That's uh, the question. Absolutely. There's as much as there was at, at, um, at Sunderland when he kept them up, Rob. He'll have a back four. Mm. If he has to go three at the back, he'll have them working. There'll be drills. There'll be riggers. There'll be touch tight. You'll be people getting the head in on the ball, and, and he'll do all those basic things he have to do. He might not look as pretty, they might not be as exciting going forward, but you know what? He'll stop the goals, he'll build some confidence, he'll bring a bit of team spirit, and from there they'll, they'll kick on again, Rob. And, um, you know, it, it's going to be interesting how long they, and how much patience they have at Swansea with Bob Bradley. I think that's one we're going to have to watch and see how the January window goes. Let's also talk about another teams down there, West Ham United. They got a 1-0 win against Hull City today. Mark Noble penalty. Hull City in all kinds of trouble, Rob, that they're, they're falling down the league and, you know, Sunderland with the other team that, that were down there today, they got a 1-0 win against Watford. Now watch this game and I've got to tell you the few things that I, I was pleasantly surprised with in terms of Sunderland. David Moyes attacking formation, so he has Jermaine Defoe at, at the top, he has Barini one side, he has Anitra B the other and as Yanazai in the hole, let me tell you, that can cause you problems. This kid Denier they've got on, on uh, Denier is it, they've got on loan, is a decent player, gets around the pitch and influences it. And Jalobaji and, and, and Kone at the back, I'll tell you what, there's enough there for David Moyes with this group. If he gets a little bit of spend in the window, I think, still think Sunderland might, might get the way out of this. Just looking at other games as well, you know, West Ham United, massive for them, Robbie Earl, mm. to beat Hull City, who had their chances in the game 1-0. That puts Hull City at the bottom of the league. Any hope for Hull at all? No, no, they're, they're gone. That, that's one place for me, Rob. Unless Sam Allardyce goes there and then they'll finish top of the league. But no, no, I can't see that one. And another game today as well. Leicester City found a way back from 2-0 down at Stoke City to win, to draw the game 2-2. Very good character, very important. Uh, Jamie Vardy got a red card, and just a, a Twitter poll they put out there, Rob, just to get a sense, and I, I basically said, who deserved a red card more? Jamie Vardy or Zlatan Ibrahimovic, of course, didn't get one. And mm. the poll results are, to this point, Zlatan 68% deserved to get a red card, more than Jamie Vardy at 32. Was it a red for you? Uh, no, no. I thought he was in control. I know he sort of went two-footed. I thought he put his studs down. I thought he got plenty of the ball. I didn't think he was particularly endangering the, the, the safety of an opponent. But it's playing there for me, Rob. No problem with that one. 
Okay, my friend, time for us to have a break now, and after which we're going to bring our guest on to the show. Shaka Hislop is going to bring us his sense of Premier League goalkeeper at the moment. We talk about Loris Karius and Simon Mignolet for Liverpool, who should be in goal, who shouldn't be in goal, and also struggles at his former club, West Ham United. We'll get Shaka's thoughts after the break here on Two Robbies Football Show on NBC Sports Radio. Back in a moment. Welcome back to the Two Robbies Football Show here on NBC Sports Radio. Now we're very lucky and very thankful to have a very good friend of the Two Robbies onto the show, Shaka Hislop, to talk to us about goalkeeping in the Premier League. Of course, he's been there, done it with several clubs, Newcastle, Reading, Portsmouth, West Ham United, Trinidad, Tobago, to name just a few. Shaka, welcome into the show. Thank you very much, Robbie and Robbie. <laughs> First thing I want to get your take on, uh, Shaka, massive story at Liverpool Football Club. Loris Karius was hailed as the number one at this club. He comes into the team to replace Simon Mignolet. He has some bad experiences, some bad games, um, a public spat with pundits in the UK. Did you agree with Jurgen Klopp getting them out of the side um, ahead of the Middlesbrough match and I guess the big derby on Monday? What did you think to that situation, how he handled it? I thought it was the right decision to make. Uh, and Karius may very well be a very good goalkeeper for Liverpool in the long term. But I think right now, and, and the opportunity at Liverpool comes early in his career. Two full seasons at Mainz, where he did wonderfully well, which is what prompted Jurgen Klopp to, to make the move as he did. But coming into a club like Liverpool, um, as big a stage as that is, with the expectation that comes, there's not a lot of room for error. And unfortunately, you know, at, at 23... He's still learning his trade, and, and it's part and parcel for, for, for goalkeepers. Um, so he's got to take this knock on the chin. How he comes out on the other side of it is, exa- is, is entirely up to him, and how, how he deals with um, that spell on the sidelines, how, how much he learns, how much he grows from it. Um, if he does, he could be a very good keeper, as I say, for, for a long time. Um, but that's, that's entirely up to him, and I, I think Jürgen Klopp made the right decision. Jack, I remember you being the, the young goalkeeper at Reading and sort of seeing you being the experienced goalkeeper at places like Newcastle and, and West Ham. At what point did, did you feel, or, or is it sort of an age where we could expect Carriers to come back, be number one, and he'll be nailing that place down? Is it a time, is it a, is it a certain maturity that has to happen? Do you have to go through some of these bad times before you come back as, as a top-class keeper? You, you do, and, and, and that's the thing, and, and you're right to kind of lighten what happened, uh, what I experienced at, at Newcastle. Now, I was a little bit older than Carriers when I, when I first went over to, when I first made my debut professional football, because I, I went to university here in the U.S., so didn't get to, to, to England until age 23, um, two seasons in, in what is now League One, one season in, in the championship before moving to Newcastle. And then, you know, so whereas I was a kind of allowed to grow, allowed to make mistakes um, and find find my own space, as it was as a goalkeeper in those early years, you arrive at Newcastle, a huge stage, a lot of expectation, and as much as you're making that step up, you don't have you don't have that wiggle room to make those errors. Every single mistake you make um, is is looked at with a microscope. The fans are the fans are fans are on you. The press is. Is, is speculating one way or another. And that's exactly what Carrius is, is going through right now. Um, in the end, it, it did take me kind of being in and out of the team, first with Pavel Sinicek, and then with Shea Given before. I think I found, I, I, I found my own 
identity and, and maturity as a goalkeeper in, in my West Ham years, my first spell at, at West Ham, and I thought that's when I played my best football. Now, I'm not saying at all that Carriers has to move away from that big stage and bright lights that comes, that comes with playing at your football at Anfield, but maybe it does take that couple of years where he has to be um, both of his own biggest fan and, and biggest critic. Others will argue, Shaka, that, that Jurgen Klopp defended Loris Karius a lot to the media, to the pundits, to the Neville brothers and everybody else. And, and some might argue, after defending him that much, he should stick with the guy to Middlesbrough, then into the Everton derby match. What do, you, what do you think on that? Should, after defending him, he stuck with him in the goal? No. Well, what, what managers say to, to the media and in public forums is... I, I think it's totally separate from what happens or what should happen within the dress room. As long as he's able to have that discussion with, with uh, Carriers privately, as long as Carriers understands and they have that professional, working professional relationship, then I have no problem with it. Um, you know, what, what the media or what everybody else makes of, of, of their relationship or how, how Jürgen Klopp handled and Carriers' position I, I, is... is it's it's an afterthought, in, in, in my opinion. It's 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 a smaller picture. Shaka, just want to move move to another goalkeeper, Claudio Bravo, who's had one or two issues and problems since he's come to to Manchester City, signed by Pep Guardiola. Just want to get your take on his role, his position. You know, took over from Joe Hart, a big fan's favourite, and. It almost looks to me like other opposition players are waiting for the ball to go back to him and running him down and thinking there's a mistake in him. What, what do you make of that situation? And, and I, I think there is a mistake in him because I don't think that that's Claudio Bravo's natural game. Now, I saw a lot of Claudio Bravo during his time at, at, at Barcelona. And when he, he played league games and, and Ter Stegen played in the Champions League, and Ter Stegen was always the one who would take risks. He was the one who was better with the ball at his feet. He was the one who would stand at the edge of his box when, you know, it, it seemed that strikers were, were, were bearing down. And remember, he got caught out a, a couple of times um, from Roma, I think, very early on in, in the Champions League, was it last season? Um, and, and Bravo was the, was the more settled, more orthodox of, of the two. He was by far the better shot stopper. Then all of a sudden, he comes to Manchester City and he's being asked to play that role that I thought Ter Stegen was playing at, at Barcelona. He's being asked to be that sweeper-keeper, to be the guy with the, who is, is comfortable with the ball at his feet and, and taking chances, and has almost foregone his, his shot-stopping, if you reflect on, on that game against Chelsea, where it, it seems that has, has become, you know, um, almost a, a, forgotten, a forgotten art for, for, for Claudio Bravo. And I feel that's because Pep Guardiola is asking Bravo to play a role that's not natural to him, that is not um, in his style, not in his, his goalkeeping personality. Now, when I coach kids, I, I say, don't try to be the next, uh, be it Peter Schmeichel or um, De Gea, let's say. Um, find, find who you are as a goalkeeper and... and um, know what your strengths and weaknesses are and work on those. Don't try to emulate everybody else. You know, similarly, as, as silly as it may seem, I think that's what Pep Guardiola is asking Pep, uh, Claudio Bravo to do and Claudio Bravo is feeling miserably. <laughs> 
Do you do you think, look, after what you said there, that Pep handled the whole goalkeeping situation badly? Do you or would you prefer Joe Hart in your goal at Man City? Right now, I would prefer to have Joe Hart, no question. And uh, Pep Guardiola comes in, I, I don't think he gave Joe Hart um, a fair shake at all. I, I think he should have uh, stuck with Joe Hart and, and, uh, and um, maybe waited for that opportunity where Joe Hart maybe was having a bad time or whatever it may be to, to bring his preferred number one in. I, 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 I didn't agree with how, how that was handled. Um, at all, and, and I think now he's paying the price because Joe Hart, um, as much as you know, he was prone to the odd error and very odd error in, in, in goalkeeping in goalkeeping terms. Um, he was still a, a crowd favourite, and in handling crowd favourites in, in that manner, I think Pep Guardiola um, automatically had the had the fans almost waiting for for Bravo to make that mistake, and, and once it did. Um, they were relentless in, in, um, in their criticism. Okay, Shaq, what we've got you, just before we, we wrap this segment and, and look at to the games that are coming this weekend, we just wanted to, to get your sense on your title-winning manager. You get a choice of any one of these four goalkeepers in your goal, but you, you, you're starting a season, you, you, you're destined to believe you're going to win the title. Do you go for Thibaut Courtois? Do you go for Petr Cech? Do you go for Hugo Lloris? Or do you go for David De Gea in your goal? Money's not important. You get you get a chance of one. <laughs> well, you can't go wrong with any one of those four. <laughs> but money not important. I think David De Gea has shown he has been by far and away the best goalkeeper in the league for the last two or three seasons. An easy start in Manchester United career. Took him a couple of years to settle down. Um, but ever since that. Is, is David De Gea has been, without question, United's best player. The fact that United were even close to the top four last season, I could say is almost single-handedly down to De Gea. The fact that they're still in the hunt in the top four this season, again, David De Gea is playing a, a bigger role than uh, some of their bigger names and, and headline grabbers um, are, are, are doing even, even this season. Yeah, I think we'd agree with you on that one, mate. De Gea is definitely um, top, top top class goalkeeper. Jose Mourinho's just got to work out the ten players in front of him, and Manchester United might be winning titles again. Well, it's been great to hear from a retired playing goalkeeper, but you can still tell he's still part of that paid-up member of the goalkeepers' union. Shaq's going to stay with us. Have a quick look forward at two big games coming up. Manchester City take on Arsenal tomorrow, and then on Monday, must-watch TV, the big Merseyside derby. This is a Two Hobbies football show on NBC Sports Radio. We'll be back in a moment. With so many ways to tell us what's on your mind, you got no excuse. Send an email to the Granger Get It Done inbox. Email get it done at NBCSportsRadio.com. We are NBC Sports Radio, and our game never stops. Welcome back to the Two Robbies Football Show. Time for the Granger Get It Done inbox, brought to you by Granger. Visit safety.granger.com for the information to help keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This week's question comes from Jesse in Logan Square. With Chelsea currently nine points clear of Arsenal and ten points clear of Manchester City, will the loser of tomorrow's Man City-Arsenal match be out of the title race, Robbie Earl? 
No, they won't be out of the title race, but it's certainly going to hurt, and it's going to add to the, the chatter that goes around that both of these teams are maybe a little bit soft, or will let you down, haven't quite worked it out. It's interesting, Rob, I look at the two managers, and I'm calling them the past masters, because they're going to do it in a certain way on their certain style. Possession's everything. Keeping hold of the ball, building up through your team, lovely combinations. Yeah, the game might be one which, which team defends better. We saw an, all, an Everton team get in the face of Arsenal for, you know, 70 minutes of the game and put Arsenal off their stride. But I don't think Manchester City can do that. And so it, it may just depend on who has the, the better player. And I'm just going to give you one match-up that I think is going to be really important in the game. Meza Ozil and Kevin De Bruyne, two key players who have assisted many of the teammates, make their teammates better when they play well. Both have had a little dip in form. Two key players to keep your eye on in, on, on this one. Shaka, what do you think? Well, you both work with me, and you know I call tackle races over way back in September. So <laughs> I, I wouldn't hesitate to, to, to say that. Well, I, I think I, I don't see anybody catching Chelsea, even even right now. I just think Chelsea are too strong. The issue for me is, as, as good as Arsenal have been, I mean, this is only their second loss of, of the season against Everton, you just can't help but wonder if this is the same answer that we've seen over the last couple of seasons. And, and City, total opposite. As well as they started, they looked unstoppable. And now, all of a sudden, they look anything but. And I think this game between these two, it's, it's, it's only three points at, at stake. And yes, it is only ten points, potentially, um, if, if City lose between them and, 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 and Chelsea. I just think it, we learn a whole lot about both these teams in in, in different ways, and I think that's the more that's the more important takeaway from this game. So they're still in the title race, but as we sit right now, I, I don't see anybody catching Chelsea all the same. I'll tell you what I think. If Man City lose this game, that's four losses so far on the season after it will be 17 games. And I think history says that you ain't going to get away with winning five or six and still win a title. So I think if City lose, I think they're out of the race. I think they will be out of the race. For Arsenal, if they lose, that'll be three games for them and still very difficult. In terms of the matchup, Arsenal have shown to us time and time again that they're not really a grinding team they're going to play their way to the title well show us show us against a really good team show us against the man city team that's going to let you play and as robbie all says we'll see who comes out on top whether it's alexis whether it's kevin de bruyne whether it's david silver whether it's oxlade chamberlain or theo walker show us that you can be a top side and then you want to be champions this year that's going to be the key for me and i think that's where the game is going to be won in the midfield with the attacking players now another big game that we've got to talk about as well my friend robbie Earl, is everton versus liverpool massive merseyside derby everton's showing signs of improvement Liverpool, magnificent against uh, my my team Middlesbrough last time out on Wednesday, Wednesday just swept them aside 3-0 what do you see on this game? Yeah, I know that we've got to be quick on this one, Rob, because we're, we're, we're coming to the end of the show. I just think it's, going, it's like the perfect beauty in the beast, the beauty of Liverpool playing out with stunning football at times. And Everton have to turn to, to their beast mode. They've got to get in their face. They've got to stop them now. And they've got to shut them down. And then someone like Romelu Lukaku can bully that back line of, of Liverpool. So, you know what? This one might just end up in a draw, though. Shaq, you, your quick thoughts on this one? Um, as good as Liverpool were against Middlesbrough, it was Middlesbrough, Robbie. I think we've seen the inconsistencies of them in the, in the previous oh, two against West Ham uh, and, and Bournemouth. 
I think Everton have shown some fight can take a lot from it in that game against Arsenal. I think I think Everton get the better of Liverpool. Well, thanks, Jack. It was great to have you on, mate. And obviously, your insight into goalkeepers and the teams. Just time for us to reward our tweet of the day. That goes to Ryan at RPM164, who was saying whether Bob Bradley could keep Swansea up. And he said, well, they haven't replaced Ashley Williams. Give him a window, but if not, he's got to go. So make sure you de direct messages your address, Ryan, and we'll get to Robbie Scarf in time for Christmas. So, while Chelsea make it a perfect 11 out of 11, United keep up their challenge for a top four slot. Look out for the Two Robbies podcast, which you can download from iTunes. And we will do one on Monday after the Merseyside derby. Also looking back at that big game at the Etihad. And we'll be joined by a special guest, Arsenal legend Lee Dixon. So look out for that one. And of course, each and every Premier League Saturday, you can catch us on the Two Robbies football show, 5pm Eastern Time on NBC Sports Radio. And finally from me, thanks to all the crew at Culver City. Yeah, thanks everybody for listening to the show and getting involved through social media. And of course, thanks to our mate Shaka, his brilliant comments and thoughts uh, in the latter part of the show. We'll be back actually on New Year's Eve for the next Two Robbies football show here on NBC Sports Radio and through the NBC Sports Radio mobile app. So until then, everybody, it's good night from me. And good night from him. Good night. Good night. Keeping it simple is usually a good thing. And when it comes to rewards programs, keeping it simple is always a good thing. That's why we made the Napa Rewards program effortless. All you need is your phone number to start saving on the parts and tools you need. Then we automatically give you $5 off your next purchase for every 100 you spend. So start saving today with Napa Rewards. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa know-how. Napa know-how. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. The legends are true. Overwhelming power. The sauce of destiny. Yes! The most legendary sauce has arrived as McDonald's transforms into the anime world of McDonald's. The greatest flavors unite in all new savory chili McDonald's sauce to make your 10-piece nuggets, fries, and Sprite ultra-powerful. Unlock manga comics with every meal and sit down for a new anime short every week only at McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba, go! And participate in McDonald's for a limited time while supplies last.